When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Summer League is in full swing in Las Vegas. The offseason is pretty much over, I guess, with just a few dominoes still left to go. Pretty big ones at that, though. And, of course, we have more to talk about. As far as DeAndre Ayton, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Brooklyn Nets, Los Angeles Lakers. Maybe we give ourselves a little bit of room for an NBA Finals pick in 2023 because people are bored. Top 125 lists are coming out, which means it's time to argue because there's three months left before the NBA season. WNBA just had their All-Star game. Congratulations to Kelsey Plum, by the way, on MVP. Lots of that and more with the returning Brian Fritz and your boy Spencer Davies. It's Keeping It 94, our first episode together in what feels like a month. And it's crazy because Brian's been out sideline with a hoarse voice. My man went overseas, had himself a fun vacation, but came back with something he didn't want. But now he's back, and as am I. And uh, hopefully you guys listened to me on Alex Kennedy's podcast We talked about our winners and losers of free agency. We're not really going to get into too much of that because it's basically old news by now. But we are going to talk about our favorite moments from Summer League. We're going to talk about DeAndre Ayton, KD, Kyrie, and all of the rest. So what's up, Brian? I'm just glad to be back. And I got to make a note of something, too. The offseason will not be over officially until Hassan Whiteside, Dwight Howard, and Carmelo Anthony all find new homes. Damn right. Respect the vets. It's been weird being away for this long, uh, especially with so much going on. But that's uh, that's what happens when you've uh, had a vacation in the works for two years and had to take it basically during the NBA Finals. And then uh, you return just in time for free agency and then um, get sick and are basically sitting on a couch for 10 days doing nothing but following free agency uh, putting up posts on the website and uh, coming up with fake trades. Yes, and uh, especially that very, very latter moment there that you just mentioned—that's your specialty. You love, you love the fantasy trades, the fantasy booking. It almost kind of equates to what wrestling is for you. It's just amazing storylines that you can put together. There's perfect matches of teammates, and also all kinds of drama you can create. By putting these guys on different oh, teams. So I, wait till you've later. Been all, you've been at it, man. You've been at it. And I'm sure that we're going to get in a bunch of those. I've got a doozy for you later. 
Oh gosh! See, this is what this is why we miss Brian, so that he can just agitate me with these scenarios, and because he knows, even though he can't see me on the camera, we do this kind of blinded at the moment. But he's gonna feel my uh, virtual eye roll here coming. Spencer, up. this one was so good, I took a screenshot of it so I could remember yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> you know what, though? Here's the thing: I know so many people like to do the fantasy booking and come up with all these different fake trades. I am trying to come up with stuff that is realistic. I'm okay. not sitting here coming up with like, oh, well, the numbers work. And you well, can, here's the five-team trade guys. that my friend sends me in the group chat. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I never, I, I, I don't think I've ever even gone, maybe once I, I did one that was like a four-teamer. But typically, I try to stay three or less, you know. Sure. Just, just the two. Twos are, are easy, obviously. And then the three... It's like you got to do a little math there, but um, yeah, you know, it's it's all fun. Absolutely, man. And just a reminder to everybody, this podcast is a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Got four other great ones for you to listen to. The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. Just mentioned I was just right on that. The Rematch with the Tom Thomas and, of course, Dishes and Dimes with the Ladies. So make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out basketballnews.com and also look at our YouTube page at Basketball News. So, Alex, Nikias, Ethan, a lot of our staff. Scott, our CEO, is out there right now in Sin City. So, they're having a good old time. I'm, I'm happy for them. Uh, this is the first summer league that I'll have missed in three years. It's okay. You know, there's just some things that didn't work out. Uh, I'm holding it down here from Northeast Ohio. I'm playing a lot of golf. I'm enjoying myself. You know, things have slowed down a little bit since the uh, free agency period and the draft. So I'm okay with it. Um, hope they're having fun out there in Summer League. But it's a perfect transition, man. Uh, we are four. No, shoot. We are six days. In, no, I can't do math. Whatever. It started last Thursday. We're recording on a Tuesday afternoon. And uh, we're pretty much right in the middle of this thing with about six days left to go. Uh, until a champion is crowned at Summer League. So uh, that starts right there. Where are you watching, and uh, who's got your eye? You know, the rookie class has been really, really good so far. And, you know, we we all, you know, talked about how good the rookie class was last year, and we saw that play out during the season. Um, but I've really been impressed with the rookie class this year. You know, all eyes are obviously going to be on the top three picks when it comes to Paul Bancaro and, and Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith. But you look at the top five, even though it was limited for, for Jay Nivey, the Keegan Murray as well. And I think there's positives with all five of those guys. You know, when you, you don't always see that when it comes to the, the top five picks in the draft. And, and, and we still, you know, got to see how they're going to do in the regular season. Obviously, this is still summer league play. But I, I think there's a lot of positives with those five guys right there alone. And I think it looks promising for what we're going to see out of them once the regular season comes around. No doubt, man. And you mentioned the top five. The one that sticks out to me the most, I know everyone's talking about Paolo as they should. He's been self-creating. He's making big-time shots already and and doing a, a lot of good work uh, on the defensive end when that was a knock on him coming in. Chet Holmgren, we obviously saw his debut in the Salt Lake City Classic, and then he comes over to Summer League, um, and he's looking really solid, just grabbing rebounds. He's able to show himself creating his own shot and and creating for others next to Josh Giddy. That's a really fun uh, combination they've had in Summer League. 
Jabari Smith had a, you know a little s- s- slow of a start, but he's starting to come around a little bit. But the guy that's standing out to me the most right now is Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray's leading summer league in minutes per game uh, by two minutes. Actually, he's he's playing 35 minutes a game, and he is absolutely tearing it apart, man. Um, you know, it wasn't just uh, the the Las Vegas summer league that he's been doing this too. He did it in the California Classic. I don't think there's been a game where he scored under 20. He just looks really, really smooth, man. And he's taking a ton of threes. And they look great. You know, everyone's killing the Kings for not taking Jaden Ivey at this spot. But it seems like Keegan Murray, he's going to obviously have to, you know, fight for minutes probably. They brought in Malik Monk. They brought in Kevin Herter via trade. Uh, you have, you know, quite a bit of, of people in the guard room. And I know that Keegan Murray's more of a three slash four, probably going to be a four there. But I mean, Domas Sabonis is there unless you're putting Sabonis at the five. Right. So and they got Harrison Barnes, obviously, who's going to get playing time as well. Right. And, right. You know, so it's a, it's a crowded room. But if he can shot make the way that he has, he's going to have a real good chance of getting on the floor. And I agree. Uh, he's he's looked really solid to me. You look at that first game, I think he was on the court. I think he put up 26. And then maybe his second game was a little bit uh, not as impressive. But then he came right back with another strong game. He's been really good. I mean, I, you know, I think he's a little bit bigger than some people expected. I think he's like two or six, eight, 225. And uh, you, you can see that he can get you points really good. But he's done some other good things on the court as well. And you know, for all the talk about Sacramento, when it came to the draft about like Jaden Ivey's the guy he's everybody says he's the fourth best guy, but they don't need another point guard. What are the Kings going to do? Are they going to trade out of this or would they really take Jaden Ivey? And they took Murray. They kept the pick and they kept, and they took him. And all the talk now has been Sacramento had Keegan Murray higher on their board than Jaden Ivey. They had him fourth. That's why they didn't trade the pick. They took him. A lot of people roll their eyes. But I think the way that you've seen him play, even though it's summer league and it's early, but I think it's backed up what they've said. Now, when it comes to Ivy, obviously we only got to see limited play out of him because he unfortunately sprained his ankle and he looked extremely impressive as well. But I think for what Sacramento wanted and people looking at Murray, I can't right now in just what we've seen so far in summer league discount why they took him. I can't, I can't knock them for it because Keegan Murray looks really good. Yeah, no, no question. Uh, I've also had my eye on a trio of the Spurs. You have Josh Primo, who was the youngest player in the draft last year, um, who played, uh, he is obviously shut down now because of health and safety protocols. It sucks. Same with Jeremy Sohan, the other rookie that they took this year. But I love what I've seen out of Blake Wesley, and I loved what I've seen out of Malachi Branham. Um, Branham, obviously a little bit of, of bias here because he's a Northwest, Northeast Ohio guy. He played at Akron St. Vincent St. Mary, was Mr. Ohio basketball a little while back, went to Ohio State. He's a Columbus native, so always pulling for him. But Branham really looking like that three-level score that you're hoping that he you know, turns into. Um, the three-point shot obviously needs a little bit more work, but he had just so many turnaround uh you know, jumpers that are diagonal to the to the rim that he looked, you know, really, really smooth on almost Chris Middleton-esque. Um, when I see Blake Wesley, yes, the field goal percentage hasn't been greatest, but I think the 
fact that he is willing to take all of these shots and the fact that he is coming out and taking all of these shots um, to to pace this team in summer league with Josh Primo out, of course, um, is really, really good for his confidence. I, I think that he's actually shown a lot more of passing ability too. Um, I, I've really enjoyed the the few games that I've been able to see Blake Wesley do what he does. Um, I don't know, again, with, with playing time with the Spurs team, I don't know what the Spurs team's going to really try to do other than develop these guys. Um, they're going to try to I, lose yeah. a lot of games. I don't think they're going to try to lose. I think they're just going to throw the young guys out in the fire. Yeah, and live with yeah. Results, I mean, they, which they're going to ex- inevitably turns into a tank just the way that, you know, right. the Thunder would do it and stuff like that. Speaking of the Thunder, speaking of the Thunder, I think they should start trying to win games. I think they're at that point. I, I, I do I, too. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything left. You just inked Lou Dort to this long ass five year, $87 million contract, rookie extension, uh, max contract for Shea Gilgis, Gilgis Alexander starts this year. You have Josh Giddy. You have Chet Holmgren. What else are you waiting for? I mean, I, I don't think you can add any other young talent to this team. I mean, especially because you're still developing other guys. Like you, you have Jeremy Robinson Earl there. You have Darius Baisley there. You have Poku. Who knows what he can still become? Uh, Teo Maladone. Trey Mann was like scoring 20 a game uh, at some point last year for a little stretch. By the way, I don't think you wait for anything else. We want to talk about the summer league. And, you know, know, a lot of focus is on like rookies or guys trying to just get into the league. There's a lot of second-year players that are out there as well. And I give all the credit in the world to Josh Giddy for going out there and playing. And he has looked fantastic. And he has quite the um, relationship forming with Chet Holmgren. It sounds like they're not only, you know, gelling together on the court. But off the court as well, they've become quite close. And Giddy, his game is so fun to watch. And man, if he can just shoot a little team, bit better, man. it's all if, team. If he could just shoot a little bit better, if his jumper can get more consistent and he can hit threes, he's going to be something special. But and man, he's like you, twenty. I know. I exactly. He's got time. I mean, his shot's still a little bit off. But man, he does everything else that you could ask. And. He's so fun to watch, and he loves getting everybody else involved. He can finish around the rim himself. And like I said, you can see this budding relationship between him and Chet Holmgren, and it is great to watch. I I agree with you when it comes to the Thunder because they're at that point now to where they've got the stockpile of picks yet, but do you really need to tank to get another young player? And I would say no. Now is where you probably need some vets to fill around those guys. And you know what? Here's a name, and I know we're going to talk about him in a little while, of someone I, I do wonder if the Thunder had the cap space because they've used up their cap space now. But I do wonder if they hadn't if they hadn't used up all their cap space or maybe they could still do something they wanted. But wouldn't DeAndre Aiden make a lot of sense with that team? Maybe. Maybe. That's actually an interesting proposition. Because he's still young. He's still, what, 24? He no, he is. Yeah, he's he's still young. That's a good question. But, I mean, if you want to take that next step, it's that kind of player that you'd be looking at because it's somebody sure. that's still within your time window but has been in the league for a few years. And, sure. you know, we're going to watch this team develop with all these different guys, like you said, and how they come together on the court. And getting back to Chet, you can see all the fun tools that he has because he's a guy 
that an offense can, uh, you know, dribble drive, step back. He can hit a three. Um, it's all fluid. Uh, a defense, his help defense is going to be incredible. You see how many he's he literally like a guard will literally be off of his feet trying to get a layup, and Chet doesn't even have to jump. Yeah, like, like got, do you see like the way that he just uses his length? Like it's crazy. It's amazing. And, and I mean, I know so many people are going to talk about like, oh, he's real thin right now. He, you know what? There's been other players that have been very thin that have been effective. I think for him, yeah, it, it's probably putting on a little weight. It, I, I don't. I would make the argument he doesn't need to put on a lot of weight, just a little bit of weight, and just get used to the banging that's going to happen because there's going to be a point in this season, and this happens to most rookies. But especially for somebody that's going to be guarding really big guys, he's going to get banged around and he's going to hit a rookie wall. And it's going to be totally understandable. But that's going to be the whole thing is just him adjusting to the physicality of the NBA and being able to take that punishment and having uh, good cardio. I think those are going to be the biggest things I look at for Chet that he's going to have to go through this first season. Sure. Uh, other second-year guys that I just wanted to, to shout out, Trey Murphy, first of all. He had like 30 points on Monday night. Um, looked tremendous. We obviously know what he did in the postseason series against the Suns. Really, really showed out um, in that particular matchup. Um, but he's played really well this this summer league. He's not even shooting that great from three. It's just that uh, the field goal percentage. He's shooting 50% from the field in two games. So um, good for him. He's averaging nearly 27 a game. Uh, Cam Thomas, he is taking every bit of that uh, possibility to take uh, the shots that he's been doing because he's leading the league uh, in field goal attempts with 20 a night. Um, still not shooting the three all that great, but he is absolutely taking it to the cup and getting those you know mid-range looks going the way that Cam Thomas did at LSU uh, a couple years ago. And then, of course, Jonathan Kaminga, um, you know, big-time finish on Sunday night. I forget who they were playing, but uh, he was uh, really instrumental in the uh, the way that the Warriors closed that game out too. So I I, I think he looked really good. I I'd like mm-hmm. to see him rebound a little bit better. The funny thing in that game is he yeah, was, he's still working on the jump yeah. shot too. But it's the it's the reads though. It's the reads yeah. for me. I think that are better. And he's so damn athletic that he, he just he's just gotta you know kind of fine tool everything. Because listen, man, Kuminga. And Moses Moody are going to be in that rotation next year. The Warriors have lost like four or five players. Right. So they're going to be in that rotation next year. So this is what the the Summer League is for for them. You know what? The, to me, the funny thing in watching that game was, I I almost wonder if the Warriors would have preferred uh, if Wiseman could have gotten his hands on the ball a little bit more. But Mac <laughs> McClung was so hot, he wasn't giving it up. He was yeah, taking yeah, over the game. To, you had to shout out your, your former Laker, your former South Bay Laker. He was going nuts in that game, man. It was <laughs> he, just was. Like, he was. He was just like, oh, nobody else can finish around here. Watch this. I got it. I got good it. Good to see Wiseman out on the floor, by the way. Really it was, good it was great. Um, let me let me mention one other name, and then I want to go back to you know a couple of the top guys. But Caleb Houston with the Orlando Magic, who was the thirty second pick overall, he's Michigan, looked, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's mm-hmm. looked really good as well, and I <laughs> I think the Magic are going to have a couple of tough decisions here. Because one, I I almost wonder if they want to make him a two-way guy or what they're going to do with him. But I mean, I think he's played well enough to where he's going to be there and he might get playing time. And 
I think the guy that's really been hurt by this because he hasn't played well and because Houston has played so well is R.J. Hampton. Yeah, no, I think so too. And uh, that's a case where what Alex was saying, right? So R.J. Hampton's coming into his third year. And by playing in summer league, even though he was hurt a lot of last year, uh, he's almost hurt his case. He has. You don't want that to yeah. happen when you go to summer league. Like it's it's you weigh the what's the risk, what's the reward. You know, there was uh, a writer of ours that uh, was asking us the same question about Cam Reddish. Like, why wouldn't Cam Reddish play in the summer league? Well, you don't really have much to gain at that I, point. What I didn't understand why Austin Reeves wasn't playing for the Lakers, and I was looking it up, and I I think there might have been some stuff when it came. Nah, to he's Lakers. better than summer league. He's well, too good for it. I'm I know. Kidding. I'm, That's kidding. What I'm I, kidding. I wondered. I was just like, well, this makes no sense. Because there was even like, if you, I mean, I saw stuff, obviously I'm not in Vegas, but people had taken pictures and they always like profile different players, you know, on walls there and whatever. And mm-hmm. Austin Reeves was one of the guys there. But I, I, I saw something where, and I might be dead wrong about this, but maybe there was something with his contract or whatever that wouldn't allow him from a standpoint that like, had they really exercised four years or I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm dead wrong. Like I said, but I just, I just thought it was very weird when they announced originally though, that Reeves was not going to be on their summer league roster. And then I was like, okay, well, that's just a formality. They're going to add him. And they didn't. Um, so I don't know what was going on there. Cause that, to me, that would have made a lot of sense for, sure. for him to be out there as a second year guy. No question. And you know, you know I'll, I'll wrap it up with, you know, second year guys, Quentin Grimes is playing tremendous for the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's a big time thing for New York to try and get him into that rotation every day next year, um, especially the way that he can shoot it. We know that, you know, the Knicks have needed that <laughs> for a while. Yeah. And he can knock them down and he can set the table. So Quentin Grimes better be getting some playing time next year. Um, Someone that's kind of under the radar as a second guy, second year guy, even though he basically would be a rookie. Um, Dacian Nix of the Rockets. I've been really, really impressed with him. And even going back to the G League Ignite days, you just looked at this guy's body type, and he's just this bruiser of a guard. Like, absolute bruiser. He's a big dude. Um, But he can move well. He can dish it out. Uh, He's gotten better at at the offensive end of the floor as well. Um, You know, he's really made a, a big... Um, t- taken a lot of advantage of the opportunity he's been given by Houston in this summer league situation. And I think that that can bode well for him trying to crack that rotation next year. Uh, you know, he's averaging around five assists a game too, 12 points. Um, but, you know, defensively, I've liked what I've seen from him. And again, he, he's just got such a unique build that I'm I'm really, you know, looking forward to see if Dacian Nix can crack this rotation, especially, you know, because... Houston's guard room isn't quite as large as it was was. So right. I'm I'm in that spot there. Um, as far as some unknown guys that I just want to shout out, uh, maybe some undrafteds. First off, from your Lakers, Scottie Pippen Jr. Man, he's been fun. He's been fun to watch. Uh, it's just it's the effort for me with him. Uh, the way that he is just he's not letting you throw a lazy pass, and he's going out and getting it, taking the bumps and ones. Um, not at all hesitant to fire it up. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed watching Scottie Pippen. I, I know you probably have you've watched a good deal of him too, but um, I, I think based on effort alone that he could get a look, even though his statistics are not that great. Yeah, I think 
because he does play so hard and he has played well, I think he's going to get a look. The other guy from the Lakers that's going to get a look is Cole Swider because yeah. he has shot the ball so well. I believe he's shooting over 50% from three-point range. The problem with him is what is he going to do on defense because that's where he is lacking. And, I mean, when a guy shoots that well, and I know it's summer league, but he's proven he can shoot. But can he play good enough defense to where the Lakers can justify putting him on the roster and maybe even giving him playing time? That remains to be seen. Sure. Uh, Josh Minot with the Wolves. I've loved to see the energy from him. So he was one of those guys. Actually, this kind of fits in with my other guy too. Josh Minot and Peyton Watson. These are two guys that didn't really get a whole lot of playing time in college, but they're young and they were raw and teams took a chance on them, right? You know, both guys. Minot, particularly on defense, I think has been good. Um, even though he, he's he been able to showcase, you know, some just attacking the rim and, and being a really big time presence on the offensive end. Um, Peyton Watson, same thing, man. Oh my gosh, some of the, the energy that he brought. Everyone and their mother was clowning, you know, the team that took him for for taking him that high. It was the it was the Nuggets. I apologize, couldn't remember. Um, the Nuggets take Peyton Watson as early as they did, and they're clowning him. They're like, oh, this dude averaged 3.5 points per game in college. What the hell are you doing? Well, if you actually pay attention to what happens in college, sometimes these guys get buried behind guys who are more seasoned, more experienced, that coaches favor because they're trying to win games. It's their job. Peyton Watson looks like an NBA freaking player, man. Holy hell. The athleticism, the length, uh, the guys on the broadcast. I'm not going to go as far as I said this, but they were going to say like this has some like Herb Jones type of feel to it. The situation, mm-hmm. maybe not exactly the same, but just a bigger guard. You could probably play at the three who's going to defend his ass off is athletic as hell and has actually shown some shooting touch in, in, in some of these games. I, I know that the three point you know percentage between two games does not look pretty, but it's you know, it's the the decisions that getting getting to, getting it on the floor in transition in particular, the dunks. Oh, my gosh. Please give me more Peyton Watson. Yeah. That's the other guy. And then uh, it undrafted that, that I have to uh, shout out is Kenneth Lofton Jr. Everybody, after he took Chet Holmgren to the woodshed, um, was wondering who he was. Well, uh, being the astute basketball savant that I am, I actually remember watching Kenny and Chet Holmgren on the same team at the Team USA under-19s in the Olympics a couple of years ago. And guess who were they facing? They were facing France and Victor Wembanyama. So I was able to see, you know, that they were teammates. So the fact that Kenneth was able to make a name for himself against Chet was probably because they were practicing against each other not so long ago. Yeah. And Kenneth, the cool thing about Kenneth is, one, everyone's looking at him. They're saying, okay, he's undersized as far as height goes. But that dude has a lot of boom to him uh he's got a great feel for the game he's good with his footwork oh my gosh he's good with his footwork and he's able to manipulate the defense with what he's doing like he can stop on a dime when he's in mid drive get a guy on a pump fake and then go up and under like he's just so good with that move he's done it so many times but guys can't figure him out he played at louisiana tech uh for three or four years and um you know he dominated that conference but 
He's somebody that can get a legitimate NBA look. I'm, I I promise you. Just because of his smarts. I know that it's going to be tough to put him on the floor against some of these giants. But I think that he's just got this headiness to him um, that will allow him to to thrive. And then one last special shout out to just from the, the Cavs that I cover. Luke Travers. That guy is interesting. I love he the cannot, look. I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. First off, you look at him. You see the mullet. And it's just glorious. Okay. This is what Brian texted me the other day. He's like, what a wonderful mullet. And uh, he looked you, like you know, the you, dude from, uh, what was it, season three of Stranger Things? Stranger Things. Yeah. yeah. He gets the Billy thing all the time, yeah. he told us. Um, he also gets Cam Smith, if you guys are golf fans. <laughs> uh, and he's from Australia, from Perth, Australia. So that makes sense. But, you know, he's got the full on stash, the, the mullet. He's got the whole package. Here's what I'm going to tell you he can't do. He cannot shoot for his life. He can't hit the broad side of a barn. But you know what he can do? This man can pass. This man can block shots. He's a good defender. He's a little bit slow. And he's not that great of a dribbler. But he's just a really interesting player. Can't dribble, can't shoot, but can do other stuff. I I will leave it at that. And if, if I had to guess... And I don't have any intel on this. I did do an intel article on the Cleveland Cavaliers, by the way, on basketballnews.com that is, is going to last for a little while here now. But I would have to guess that the Cavs would stash him over with the National Basketball League, over with the Perth Wildcats, where they drafted him from. You know, tell him to, you know, figure out that shot a little bit over the next two years, three years, whatever it may take. I could absolutely see, in this, guy, see this guy going the Joe Angles route. And coming over when he's like 28 as a rookie. I could absolutely see that. Because he has the intangibles. He absolutely has the intangibles. And he has some athleticism too. But he is just a very, very interesting player to watch. I I implore you guys to to pull up the film on Luke Travers and see what what he did um, in these last two games for the Cavs. Before we get off talking about Summer League, I want to go back. I want to go back to talking about, just for a minute, about the guys at the top. Because... You know, there was so many question marks about uh, what the Magic are going to do with the top pick. And mm-hmm. there's so many people that thought they should take Chet Holmgren. Uh, leading up to the draft, all signs were pointing to them taking uh, Jabari Smith. My number it, one always stayed the same, Brian. I'm going to just let you know that you right did, now. You did, but, it, you know, the, the, the night before, the betting lines drastically changed. And next thing you know, here comes the draft and the Magic take Paul Bencaro. And people are like, mm, well, we'll see about that. And the second he stepped on the court and you started seeing him play, you understood why the magic went that mm-hmm. route. Mm-hmm. He is a tank. People don't realize how big he's 6'10, 250. He already has an NBA body. And, you know, you might not have like that super fast first step. And his first step is fast enough, but he's so big. He overpowers guys. And I think the most impressive thing that we've seen out of him so far in the, in the limited view we got of him because the Magic have already shut him down, um, and that's just to protect them. They don't want him to get hurt. They've seen enough out of him, is we can all look at the scoring. But to me, the two things that stand out are how competitive he is because he loves sticking it to other guys and the passing. The passing has been so impressive that 
He's always got his head up. He's always looking for other guys. He notices switches. He notices when he gets a smaller guy on him, try to pick his pocket, and he will find the right guy. He makes the right choice. I want to see him rebound a little bit better, especially for a guy that size. But he's a guy that's going to step on the court for the Magic, and they're going to put their offense all around him from the get-go, and rightfully so, because he looks so good already. And he, uh, the Magic might finally have their star player they've been looking for. Uh, they certainly, I, I, I'll put a stamp on it. I think they do. I think that I haven't seen him play one game, but I know that this dude has, out of those three, he has the most mature game. He has the most NBA-ready body. And with this particular Magic squad that's needed desperately some scoring, needed desperately someone who can get other guys open, who can obviously find them when they are open, setting them up, running an offense. This is exactly who they needed. This is exactly who they needed. So I thought it was a no-brainer. I've had Paolo as their number one pick for the last couple months. I, ne- I never budged on that. I, Keep- I'm not usually someone that pats myself on the back. I always thought Paolo should have been that guy because he was the most, he was the perfect fit and they had the number one pick. Yeah, and he's, that, the, he's, the, he's the most NBA ready out of the oh, three yeah. that everybody talked about. Because you look at Chet, and I think Chet's going to be very NBA good. NBA ready with plenty of room to grow, too. That's the yes. other great part. And, and I mean, uh, you know, for you know, going back to what I said before about Chet, I think he's great. And, you know, I, there's going to have to be some things he's going to have to get used to when it comes to physicality. I think with Jabari Smith, we, we've already seen that you see glimpses, but it's going to take time. And I think for all the talk about the magic, you know, grabbing him first, um, you can understand why now they decided not to do that because they do not want to wait that long. You know, Jabari might be a, a fantastic player, um, but it's going to take time. It's going to take a couple of seasons for him. He He's the guy that's got the most developing, uh, development to do. And Paolo, you can just see it. It's, it's just a neon sign. It's flashing in your face. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. Again, ready, but still has plenty of a ceiling. He's so young still. Yeah. And you, you think about it, you add it to this roster. You got Cole Anthony, you got Franz Wagner, you got Wendell Carter Jr., okay? Gary Harris signed an extension. We'll see what happens with that. I don't know if he sticks around. But they're starting to form a team. And they re-signed Mo Bamba. Still got Chuma Kiki. You still got Terrence Ross. Markel Fultz, we'll see if he's healthy. You know, they've got a team. Him and Wagner. Wagner? Are, uh, him and Wagner. I mean, I, I want to see what he does with him. What about him. Jonathan Isaac? Let's talk about that. Is well, he, is he ever going to play again? Well, that's what I'm saying. But if he comes back, I mean, you got yourself a, you got yourself a little squad. Yeah. It's the longest I've ever seen somebody take to come back from an ACL. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, I I, I don't know what's going on there. I, I According to a report from the Orlando Sentinel earlier in July, there is hope that Isaac will be ready to start of the 2022-23 season in October. Good. I want to see him. Let's see what he so can there, do. There you go. And, and like I said, it, you being a Magic fan, I'm telling you right now, you have a little bit something to be excited about. And 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 I want to see what Andrew Nemhart brings to the table, too, because mm-hmm. big fan of his is a Gonzaga. Big fan. Okay. I think we uh, ran up and down Summer League pretty well. Uh, last shout-out, Jaden Hardy. I think that was a great pickup for the the Mavs to not have a draft pick, come back into the draft and see that he wasn't there in the, the mid-30s and go get him. Uh, he's looked pretty solid in Summer League as well. I, I know I can't get to everybody, but I had to shout him out too because he was one of my favorite players on the G League Ignite. He's young as hell, but 
that could be a big time steal at that spot. Now, on to uh, off-season rumblings. This is what you wanted to get into. Let's talk about DeAndre Ayton real quick, and then we'll get into Katie Kyrie, and then uh, we'll get on out of Dodge. Well, we're we're all on hold right now when it comes to off-season moves because of what's going on with Kevin Durant. But a side note of that, and I, I say side note, but obviously deserves his own attention, is what's going on with DeAndre Ayton and situation with the Phoenix Suns because um, it, it seems like it's a mess. Um, you know, Aiton's name has been mentioned in a possible Kevin Durant trade. And um, we know that the relationship between him and the Suns is pretty fractured. And from all reports we've seen so far, the Nets are not overly interested in uh, Aiton in a KD trade package. Um, it doesn't mean that he couldn't be included, maybe, you know, shipped to another team. But there's been all these rumblings that, you know, even when it comes to yesterday on Monday, like today could be the day that the Pacers really step it up when it comes to Aiton. And uh, there's even reports that Aiton has been given the green light to speak with the Pacers. And they don't have max cap space. They have about $26 million. So they can't give him a max deal, but because Aiton is a restricted free agent, they could throw a monkey wrench into everything and they could uh, sign him to an offer sheet. And then the Suns, you know, have their two days to match or let him walk for nothing. Um, There's also been talk about just a straight up sign and trade between the Pacers and the Suns. And like I said before, uh, you know, he could be involved in a KD trade, which has been slowly developing, and we don't know where that's at. So, you know, this Aiton part is very interesting to see what's going to happen because he could just say, I'm done waiting. I'm sick of this. I'm going to I'm gonna sign with them. Or I don't know if they would dump another contract, um, take nothing back in return, or just kind of say, really force their hands and say, hey, here's the deal. I'm going to sign this offer sheet, and Phoenix, you're going to get nothing, and I'm going to walk. Um, or work out a sign and trade. And maybe that would include Miles Turner going back to Phoenix. I don't know. Um, but the Aiton situation is very interesting. And this goes back to last season. We all said, sign him to the max and worry about it later. Figure it out. And the Suns did not do that. And at the very end of the season, the whole relationship fell apart with Aiton and the Suns. And this is where we're at now with him. You got to go to the chalkboard. It's all connected. DeAndre it's all Aiden, connected. Kevin Durant, Brooklyn, Los Angeles, Phoenix. It's all connected. It's all connected. No, I, 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 if they do a sign and trade and bring back Miles Turner, I'll feel a lot better about it. But here's the thing, man. Phoenix has fumbled this entire situation. Yes, they don't they have, have a starting center. They don't. They have. They have Bismack Biombo. Maybe they bring back Ish Wright. Ish Wayne Wright. Uh, they picked I don't up think Jock they, Landale from the Spurs, but do they have a starting center? No, I don't no. think they value centers. But you still need one. I know, but I'm just telling you, I don't think they value centers. We gonna play Jay Crowder at the five? They don't. Is that what are they gonna do? Well, we'll see if Jay Crowder is even gonna be on this team because there have been rumors about him being moved. But I don't think they want to spend a lot of money on centers because look at last year at Aiden, who's still in a rookie deal, and they had Javale McGee. You know, a very cheap deal. I don't think they want to spend money on a center. Well, 
Have everybody hey, Miles, just Miles, have a layup line to the damn I know. basket then. Unless, Miles, unless Bismack's going to play 35 minutes. <laughs> right. Well, Miles Turner... <laughs> Uh, makes $18 million. He has one year left on his he deal. He literally fits them so perfectly, He does. Dude. He fits a lot of teams perfectly, I think. But mm-hmm. he, he does fit Phoenix perfectly because he's a guy that can run up and down the court. He will block shots. He will rebound. And he'll he shoot some three range. there and there. Yeah, he can pick and pop a little bit. So, mm-hmm. No, that that absolutely. And if James Jones does that, then bravo to him because then he will be happy with his gamble and you end up getting a starting caliber center out of it, uh, near all-star caliber center. The, the Suns are so weird, though, because this is a team that has been built, up for the most part, through the draft, and then not too long ago, <laughs> admitted as part of an expose done by ESPN that they don't care about the draft. They don't care about it. Yeah. All right. I'm like, uh, sure. Good. Uh-huh. Happy you guys got Chris Paul there. Happy yeah. you guys drafted Devin Booker because happy yeah. you guys drafted Mikel Bridges because it, I guess it doesn't matter. And DeAndre Ayton, you know. It's like, like, what the hell? Uh, it's just, that's just a really dumb thing to admit. It was really, really weird. I'm like, even if you feel that way to admit it publicly, it's just yeah. like, uh, yeah. what? So I guess that's why, you know, that's another reason why. And I have and, all the respect, too, for that that front office. Like, the, it, it's championship front office. It's, James Jones is great. Yeah. Like, but like, don't say that in public. Don't say the draft doesn't matter. It well, absolutely matters. I, I guess that's why when KD, more or less behind the scenes, said, hey, uh, not only do I want to be traded, but uh, the Suns are my uh, my top choice. Phoenix is like, great, we don't care about the draft. We'll give up all our picks. <laughs> well, Brooklyn can use all the picks. That they, want. They, they need them all because they gave them all away. Houston owns their draft. Yeah. You know, I was looking back at the, um, the Ben Simmons trade and... They got this year's pick from Philly, and they have one more coming as part of that trade. That's it. And, and for the absolute whirlwind of an offseason we've had where Rudy Gobert's been traded for four picks in a swap, five, you had DeJounte Murray, Murray going to Atlanta, and the Spurs got three picks for that. So KD's going to demand about 10 of them. Well, I, I will say the Gobert was five because they gave him the rookie that they drafted this year plus four okay. more. So it's okay. five. I mean, it's it's crazy the number of picks that have been thrown in there. So real quick, before we go on to the KD thing, but I don't know what's going to go with this agent situation. I, I think he's going to end up in the Pacers. I I think it's probably going to be a sign and trade if I had to guess. What do you think? Yeah, I, I've seen some frameworks out there of a sign and trade. It'd be like Miles Turner, Maybe you're going to throw in, you know, the Suns ask for, uh, you know, a rookie or something like that. Maybe, maybe Duarte. I know TJ McConnell makes a pretty penny. So that would make sense. And especially because Phoenix needs a backup point guard. That would, I feel like that would make a decent amount of, uh, decent amount of sets. Can I ask you a deep question when it comes to the cap that I think I know the answer to, but I'm not sure. A deep question. Yes. This is a technical question. Mm. Because you'd be signing. Where's Eric a- Pinkus? <laughs> yeah, I know. We need Pinky for this one. If it's a sign-and-trade and you're signing Aiden to like this big you know, contract, how much can Phoenix take back because Aiden would be a base-year compensation guy? Can they only take back half of what he gets in Indy? 
Pinkus. Yes, I need I'm wait, waving the That's flag. That's something to text. Hey, why don't you, you text him while we're recording? I know, I should. I should. <laughs> but I, I think that's the case, but I'm okay. not. One, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's just, just to put it this way, there are layers yeah. to assign Here, trade events. Here's something I understand, and, and this is a perfect segue into the KD thing. The designated rookie contract clause that doesn't allow you to have two max guys that you didn't draft on one squad. Well, that like, is an interesting. That is an interesting thing. That what a wrinkle I'm, I'm that fascinated is. Fascinated by that. It is throwing a monkey wrench into all this. Because uh, let me ask you this question: as a hypothetical, we all know when went down last year when it came to the whole Kevin Harden, or I mean uh, James Harden, uh, Ben Simmons situation, and how that trade finally went down. Mm-hmm. Now the Nets have Ben Simmons though. And they can't get another guy on a designated rookie contract. They can't do a trade for one of those players because they have Ben Simmons, unless they trade Ben Simmons. And it's a very, very decorated list, too. Yes. It's it's other guys that you know the Nets would like to have in a Kevin Durant trade. Yes. I'm, I'm trying to look up those guys right now, too. Like it's crazy. Well, well, Zion's one. Well, I think Zion's one. But I mean, there's there's a lot of really Bam good. Bam is an example. I saw yes. Jamal Murray's on Donovan there. Donovan Mitchell saw, was one of them. Like it's crazy. All of these like really talented guys that would make sense in a trade for him that can't be traded, right? Because so, I mean, of Ben Simmons, unless you move him. Do, so does that make the Nets even more regret that trade last year? Because <laughs> now it's handicapping them Here's on what the they could do for Katie. Yeah. Here's the list, Bry. Okay. Yeah. Can only have one player acquired on a team in a trade unless you drafted both of them. That's the only way you can have a designated rookie extension. Have two of them on there. Yeah, is if you drafted you both of drafted them. them, two maxes. These, you can, but here's the list: Andrew Wiggins can't be a part of a KD trade. Joel Embiid cannot be a part of a KD trade unless Devin they're Booker. going out. Unless they're going out, they can't be on the same team. Yeah, correct. Can't be on the same team. Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns. Jamal Murray, you mentioned Donovan Mitchell, Darren Fox, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, Trey Young, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Luka Doncic, Michael Porter Jr. All players that I think the Nets would like to have. Yeah, you think? But they got like, some... Ooh, OKC makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but here, here's the thing I would say then. I'm like, because we haven't... You know, heard a lot of talk about this. All signs are pointing to Ben Simmons is going to be in Brooklyn, that they want him. Why wouldn't they be open to trading him if it could get them a return for KD? It's a big if, but if it gets them a guy that they want in return for KD, because all signs have been pointing like, here's what they want. They want picks and they want a star player. They don't want just role players. They want star player. They want a star player. And, And I can make the argument because we all sit here and say, oh my God, look what they, look what Minnesota gave up for Gobert. Home, you know, like I said, I equate the five first round draft picks. Who are they bidding against? There was other teams interested in Gobert. I don't think anybody else is going to go that high. They went above and beyond. I guess you could make the argument that Utah could have just said, we're not going to trade them. And they wanted him so bad, they were willing to meet that price. I mean, we can all sit here and have an argument about how Gobert fits on that team. I think Minnesota vastly overpaid, but this is what happens when you've got new ownership, 
in a team that hasn't made the playoffs in forever and desperately wants to get there. This is what happens. They it make is. a big move, you know? So it is what it is. Has it affected the, the KD market? We get, I, I guess it has, but at the same time, it was going to be a steep price for, for Kevin anyway. Because, I mean, go back to like, look at what the Lakers gave up for Anthony Davis. Look at uh, what happened with Drew Holiday, you know, his three first round picks there. So, I mean, it was going to be a steep price no matter what. But they also want a star player. As part How of are you going to get a star player and a, a good first round pick? That's that's my question. Well, like, what do you actually expect? Like, I understand you have to hold a king's ransom for right. a top three player in the NBA. I get it, but how do you get both? Well, unless there's not a third team involved, tell me. Wait, I please. think there has to be a third team. I'll give you one scenario. I give you, and this is one that I think I've kind of talked about a little bit. You know, on our on the basketball news Slack behind the scenes. The one, it, when this is a trade that totally makes sense to me, is Kevin Durant to the Pelicans in a package that includes Brandon Ingram. Mm-hmm. Because Absolutely. Brandon, he's under 25. He's made an all-star team. No designated rookie contract extension yep, either. because he only signed a four-year deal. Yep. Um, You can make that work with other pieces on that team. And... We all talked about how many picks the Thunder have, right? You know, from what they've done over the past few years. No team has more first-round picks coming up over the next, I believe it's eight years, than the Pelicans because of trades that they've made sending off Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis. I believe they have 13 first-round picks over the next eight seasons. Wow. Okay. So, are you telling me that, and remember, you can only trade four of your own. You can trade four of your own and do three pick swaps, okay? But... If you own other teams' first-round picks, you can trade them. So, to me, the deal that makes sense is a package that includes Brandon Ingram. You put, you know, who is it, Dallas Junis or whatever, to, to make the money work. And then you send them, I don't know, six, seven, eight first-round picks. It's going to take that. It's going to take that if Gobert got five. Right. Like, it's going to take that. Well, the, here's what I wonder too, okay? Because we, we talk about the five. But part of that was they never got, they did not get a star player back in return. They just got role players that fit to make the money work. That's how that Joke's deal on you when Jared Vanderbilt's supposed to prove next year. Well, I'm just saying, okay? But right now, they only gave up role players, okay? Yeah. So if you really got a star player, okay? Because we can sit here and go, how many picks would it take for KD? Would it take as many if they got a star player? Instead of saying, okay, well, we thought we were going to get six. Okay, if you really got a star player and maybe another good role player, could it be three? Because you're actually getting something in value in return that pays off right now. It's something that you know is a star that can step on the court and play. The picks, we can all sit here and say, oh, future first-round picks. We don't know what those are going to be. That, that's hope. That's all that is. It's hope. We don't even know if those picks are going to translate to a lottery pick or if they're going to be something, you know, in the middle of the draft or at the bottom. Yep. So I could sit here and I might be dead wrong, but I can make an argument that the bigger or the better the package of players coming back is, the fewer first round picks you would have to include. 
But I mean that, and I will always keep going back to the Pelicans because I, I could sit here and, and I think part of the big thing is, do the Pelicans really want to do that and say, we're going for it right now and we have to give up Ingram and the picks? And would Kevin Durant embrace going there? Because that's obviously a big part of it. But to me, they're the one team in the league without involving anybody else that has a package that I think would work. Sure, sure. I, you know, I think Toronto also fits the bill. I don't know how, about their draft capital situation. They don't have as much draft capital, but they have their own. They definitely have the pieces to make it work. Though. Would you trade Scotty Barnes? Would you put him in a package for Kitty? Yeah. 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 Um, would you put Pascal in there instead? It has to be one or the other. I wouldn't do both. Sure. I mean, OG, we know, has been in the trade rumors here for a while. So but, OG would probably be in that deal. Well, I'm guessing Gary Trent Jr. would probably be in that deal. He would have to be in it if you involve Barnes for the money. Yeah. So that's part of it. So there you go. So, but, but just thinking of like one-on-ones, those are the only two I can think of. Can because I give you... If he, wants to go, if he wants to go to Miami, I mean, they're going to have to give up Jimmy Butler. And that's not going to happen. And, it, he, it, and he wants to play with Jimmy Butler. And they'd have to okay, trade Bam. Can't do it. They have to trade Bam. Let me, can I give you my, my dumb theoretical three-way for uh, KD? Okay. Here's the, okay. Here's the dumb one, huh? Well, I say dumb. This works. Okay. But there, there's a, there's a flaw in it. Okay. There, I will admit there is a flaw. This is a three-team deal. It's the Nets, the Suns. And the Lakers. And the Utah Jazz. Oh, Okay. Here is how it breaks down, and this works financially, okay? You just hear me out. You, you'll, you'll know where the flaw is when you hear it, okay? The Nets get Donovan Mitchell, Mikhail Bridges, and they get Jay Crowder. The Phoenix Suns get Kevin Durant. The Utah Jazz get Ben Simmons and DeAndre Ayton. And Cam Johnson. Oh. Here's why. And now now we have to go, where did the picks go? Because the Suns have four first-rounders and three swaps. Ben Simmons and Cam Johnson to Utah? Yes. Okay. Ben has three years left. It's a, mm, about $110 million or so. Okay. And I know that they're beginning a rebuild. And they can sit there and say, we're not shopping uh, Donovan Mitchell. But it's pretty obvious he's available. If somebody wants to cough up a, a premium package. To me, where this deal could easily fall apart is, do the Jazz really want Ben Simmons? And is there enough picks to compensate both the Nets and the Jazz to do a deal like this? Because, you know, the Nets are still going to get some picks. But remember, they are getting a star player in Donovan Mitchell, right off the bat, boom, star player. They are getting a premium role player, a 3 and D guy, and one of the best defensive players in the league in Mikhail Bridges. You are getting two really, really good players right off the bat. That's something I, you don't see in other deals or haven't yet. So I would say maybe the draft compensation would be a little bit lower. Oh, and by the way, the Nets would be saving money as well. Because this deal, because of everything else that's being, because they'd be shipping out both KD and Ben Simmons, 
they'd be saving $18 million. And remember, this is a team that was already in the repeater tax last year. So if you throw that all together, I could say you're making the argument, well, they could take less when it comes to the pick because the Jazz would be the team, to me, they would have to be compensated a little bit more for picks to take on Ben Simmons. And maybe that's something that they like. I don't know. They do get Cam Johnson, who has one year left. He's on his rookie contract. I think he's a very attractive player to a lot of teams. We started to see him blossom last year. And he's a guy I think they would be very interested in. What holds this up to me is, would the Jazz really take on Ben Simmons? How do we get DeAndre Ayton involved? I don't know. I Like I said, I took a screenshot of this. Um, try, to get Indiana, try to get Indiana in there. And see what see what oh, you can do with that. Oh wow! That's the only I'm, thing. I'll that's do the some only homework. thing I'm thinking about. I'll, I'll do some homework on that. But I mean, okay. and Indy would have to include some picks. Well, no, I, I don't know. I mean, because to me, it because Indiana's the, picks would be good. Yeah, I mean, because saying. people want to get picks involved here as well. But Indiana yeah. could sit here and say, "Well, screw that. We're not going to be part of that and give up picks. We'll just send them to an offer sheet and give up nothing." But and, I, there's already been rumblings that Indiana wants to. Do a sign and trade. They're motivated to do a sign and trade because they are because they want to do good business by their partners. Is what that was the that was the report. Right. They want to do good business because they, you know, Aiton might have a grudge against the Suns, but he has an agent that works with all thirty teams in the league, and I think the Pacers want to make sure that they do good business with an agent, and they want to do good business with the Suns as well. Right. So I get that. So I'll work on that, and I'll see what I can come up with. But that is my theoretical trade that I came up with because you got to get Ben Simmons off the nets in order to get Donovan Mitchell because of that designated rookie max deal contract. All right. I like it. No, and that's not—it's not terrible. It's not as bad as most of the trade machines things that you see floating around on Twitter. That's what I'm saying, man. I'm trying to get them star players and picks. How how hysterical, by the way, if— Ben Simmons were to go to Utah after mm. all of that rookie of the year conversation oh, in I 2016 and 17. How ironic that would be. Amazing. After all that backing of Donovan, they, they would, I wonder how they would respond to that. <laughs> that yeah, no, that'd just be, be funny. Yeah. That'd be just, that would just be funny to me. But it's so, a brand new organization out there. You know, they got... Will Hardy, you know, Dwayne Wade's basically in charge, even though they still got Justin, you know, Danny Ainge over there, Justin Zanet, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you get the new but, ownership and everything. So, yeah. But, it, it's, but it's a whole new thing. So it is it is different. I mean, the KD situation is such a mess um, because, you know, he says he wants a trade, but at the same time, um, he's going to have a say in where he goes. Um, and, you know, he, I mean, they could sit there and go, okay, we got a deal, but he's going to end up going to a team that, has to strip itself of everything and then they can't even contend he's like i don't want a part of that you know why why would i want to do that because you know i want to play with this guy or uh, i don't think the chances of going to you know far in the playoffs or making you know a championship run yeah are going to be there because they had to give up everything for us i mean hey go back a decade and look what the knicks gave up to get carmelo anthony okay (laughs) go look at that whole debacle what happened? Yeah, oh, it was a centerpiece, baby. Yeah. So that that was a a total mess. So you know this KD situation is still got. I mean, who knows how long this is going to play out? Um, and um, you know, people have talked about could this end up with there being like a peace offering and he goes back. 
Well, let's let's talk about the other component of that. Yeah, that well, you want to get to. Let me. Well, you know, as part of that, let me bring this up too. Did you happen to notice the picture, the graphic that the Brooklyn Nets sent out for their ticket holders promoting the upcoming season? I think I saw Cam Thomas. I think I saw Joe Harris. I think I saw KD. And I think I saw one other player that I can't You saw remember. Ben Simmons. Oh, there you go. You know, Who did you not see on that? You did not see Kyrie Irving. But you did see Kevin Durant. Yeah. As much as people talk about, you know, Kevin is the one that asked for a trade. I am convinced, no matter what, the Nets are done with Kyrie. That has been the source of so much pain and problems with their organization. I think that Josiah and Sean Marks are like, I'm washing my hands of this. I'm done. We are not going to have Kyrie back on this team. People could talk about like, well, if they don't get the deal they want, they'll bring him back. They will find a deal that they want. And it will be with the Lakers. Because every time you hear a rumor that another team is interested, that gets shot down within five seconds. Oh, well, the Dallas Mavericks, nope, we're not interested. No, 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 no. We don't want Kyrie. Well, you can go to Philly. Oh, no, 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 no. We do not want him. He's not playing again with James Harden. No, 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 no. There's only one team that is crazy enough to be interested in Kyrie Irving, and that's the Lakers. And that's because it would mean them shedding their problem in Russell Westbrook. All signs are pointing to this deal will happen. It's just a matter of when and for what. But I I think that Kyrie is done with the Nets. I think he's happy with that. He wants out. I think the Nets, no matter what, are not bringing him back. If somehow he is still on that roster come training camp, I really wonder if they say, don't bother. Don't. We're, we're done with you. We don't, we're not dealing with you again. I think there could be a peace offering with Kevin Durant that remains to be seen. I could see him going back if they just say, hey, the deals are not there. Come back, play. Let's see if we can work this out. If we still have a problem, we'll find a deal during the season, but we need more time. So, and I know you want to play basketball. So please come back. Let's see how this works. But I'm telling you right now, KD, that Kyrie ain't going to be here. And... Let's just go out there and let's play some basketball and let's let's see what we can do here. We've we've added some other guys. We've had a good offseason. We've added Royce O'Neal. Um, TJ Warren's a part of this team. We brought back Nick Claxton. We've got Ben Simmons. We don't know what that's going to be. Joe Harris is healthy. He's back. Uh, you know, we brought back Patty Mills. Cam Thomas is in his second year. He's developing. Let's see how this all works. Are you with me? Come on. Um, cause I, otherwise I, I don't know where this is going to go. Um, this is going to have an answer anytime soon for the Kevin Durant situation. Yeah. I have no idea. I have no idea where it goes. I don't know what happens with, I, I don't think that even either of them know, honestly. Correct. And, I don't, and, I don't and, think and anybody just, knows. Yeah. You know, laughing along as we're trying to figure out what their next move is when they yeah. honestly haven't even decided themselves. So it's hard to speculate because. They're so. I don't. I, I'm gonna say their their attitudes, at least one more than the other, is just like really wishy washy, mm-hmm. and you know that's just how they are. Um, 
spur of the moment type of guys. I don't know. I don't know where either of them ends up. Yeah. Uh, if if I had to, if I had to guess, I'd say, yeah, KD makes up with Brooklyn, and this is a bunch of hoopla because you can't, you really can't, unless you get really creative, truly get a package for Kevin Durant. It's still, I mean, yeah, and you go out and make a move, you get Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal's a win now player. He's not a rebuilding player, right? Which was like, that's the other thing that I'm thinking of. You get Joe Harris back, a shooter. You know, you bring back Patty Mills. I'm I'm just thinking out loud here, you know? You exactly. bring in TJ Warren. TJ Warren, a great death piece, a good guy that's gonna go out and get you buckets. These are these are win now moves to me. So I don't know. Here's the other thing. So when we talk about Kyrie and you know, Kyrie's on his final year due to make thirty seven million dollars. And, you know, he's not gonna be there. <laughs> he's not gonna be there. I just there, have man. no idea how he's not gonna be there though. I have no idea how they're going to do it. That's all I'm at. They're going to trade him to the Lakers. It's just, here. here's what I look at, okay? Because the Nets. You've been very confident in this, by the way. I just have no idea how it works financially. All the, Well, that that's the one thing I want to get into here a little bit. Um, because all the buzz around Vegas has been Kyrie's going to the Lakers. And if anybody that you've heard that has been around there has said, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when and what they're going to give up. Um, and it's, you know, everybody talks about what well, the KD thing's got to get, you know, you know, done first. Um, I'm not convinced about that. It makes sense because of, you know, what players and money and everything would be involved. But look at it this way, okay? So the Nets are already, you know, paying a repeater tax. If they did a straight up deal, Kyrie Irving for Russell Westbrook, Russ makes about $10 million more. They would have to pay like an extra $50 million, okay? They're not going to do that. So, you know, when I look at the Nets, it's the two things in a Kyrie deal are um, what draft picks am I getting? And how's the money going to work? Because I'm not paying extra money, okay? I'm, I'm not paying extra money. No freaking way am I going to be paying off a repeater tax or anything to take on Russell Westbrook. So that means they have to add at least one other player. If you add Seth Curry, then the money's almost even. And even if the Lakers threw in, you can, remember, you can include up to $6 million. The Lakers could say, hey, well, I'll pay that tax. We'll pay $5 million. Oh, and by the way, in all of these scenarios, Kyrie has to agree to waive his trade kicker of $5.5 Okay? <laughs> I think he will agree to do that. He wants out of their bad enough. Okay? So now it's, you know, it's Kyrie and Seth Curry. Is that something they'd be willing to do? Or would the Nets say, we'd rather trade Joe Harris because Joe makes more money. He makes 18 and a half million this year and he's got another year past this. Okay, so that's something you could do as well. Or if they really want to get up money, do they say, um, okay, we'll give you both of those guys and Kyrie, but we want more picks. You know, um, and by the way, the Lakers would have to trade, send back either like Kendrick Nunn or Taylor Horton Tucker so they can make this work. One other aspect of this, too, is you're talking about a Laker team that while they paid, what was it, like 50, 60 million dollars in, in tax last year? Do they have the stomach to go above that? Because remember last year, they let Alex Caruso walk for nothing. They lowballed the guy and then they let him walk for nothing. 
And part of it was they didn't value the talent. And the other part was they didn't want to pay the tax that would take to keep him. So are the Lakers prepared after last year's debacle to say, yeah, we will take out more money this year so we can get Kyrie and get other players that we need other shooters to maximize this team. We're willing to go to 80 or $90 million. This team has never shown to do that. It would be a big ask of them and it would be a big change if they actually did it. So there's that aspect as well. Um, what do you make of the reports about them being split on that though? Like LeBron wants Kyrie where the other front office might want to go after a guy like Buddy Heald, you just mentioned earlier, or a guy, you, you know, another veteran type of player. Like Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon's be. the other name that's been mentioned. I okay. think that's a smokescreen because I think that, I think Kyrie, or I think LeBron is told them. I don't think LeBron is like, if you don't do this, I'm not going to sign an extension when I can in August. I think he has been adamant about saying Kyrie is the guy that's going to help us the most. And I know he's got warts, but he's got talent. Um, but I, you know, the whole thing when it comes to the Pacers, like, okay, we'll, we'll trade Russ to the Pacers for uh, a package of uh, Buddy Hield and Miles Turner. The Nets are not doing that. Or, I mean, the Pacers are not doing it. They're not, they're not doing it. They've already shot that down. It seemed like a bit of a, a dream anyway. And that's not to say that they wouldn't trade Buddy Hield. And I think, see, here, here's one of the things, too. I think the Nets right now are saying, and I don't know what the package would be, but obviously it's surrounding Russ and Kyrie. I think they would get the money a little bit closer, but there's there's already been a lot of buzz that the Nets have said, we'll do this deal right now. You're including two first rounds picks. You're including the 27 and the 29. And the Lakers are like, no, we're not doing that. We'll give you one of those. And I think the reason why is because the Lakers are sitting going, you're not going to trade him anywhere else. And we want to use that other pick in another trade that they want to use that pick. And then a Taylor Horton Tucker and a Kendrick Nunn, one or both of them to make however the money works to go out there and get healed or Gordon. I think they want to do both deals. Okay. And but, by the way, if Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn are on the roster by training camp, then everyone's just got to shut down their training machines because they've been trying to get rid of both of them for two years. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but, but this goes back to what I said initially. Like, okay, what what are the Nets willing to include in a deal to make the money work? Like, do they say, okay, well, we'll include Seth Curry? Or do they say, no, we want it because he's in the final year of his deal? Or do they say, nope, it's got to be Joe Harris because of the money? But if they do both, see, to me, I would sit there and say, well, the Lakers don't need to make a secondary trade if they can get both Seth Curry and Joe Harris on Kyrie because then they've got the shooting. They get Seth, they get they get Joe Harris, they, they get shooters. Then I could say, okay, I can justify both of those first-round picks. But if they only get one of those guys, then, you know, they then want to keep the pick, I think, for another trade because they've been adamant. Rob Belenka said, we're not done. And I know that could just be about you know, this proposed Kyrie deal. But um, I think they want to do other things. And one of it is they want to add another shooter to this team. And Buddy Heald and Eric Gordon are the guys that make the most sense, especially when it comes to Heald. So, you know, we'll see where the stalemate goes. The, other, the only other point I want to make real quick about this is people have talked about like, well, you know, the Nets don't want Russell Westbrook. So they're going to they're gonna ship him off and there'll be a three-team deal. And like the Spurs have the most cap space. 
man, let me tell you something. Russ makes $47 million. Even if the Spurs, as part of this deal, traded off, say, two players, say it was like $25 million, right? And they get a first-round pick as part of this. So you're telling me they're going to be paying over $20 million to get a future first-round pick from the Lakers? That makes no sense. None. The Spurs have no incentive to be involved in this. None. They could send those guys out on their own, especially when it comes like a Josh Richardson. That sounds like a, you know, a deal they'll make in the middle of the season. Jakob Pertl on his final year. It sounds like a deal you make right before the trade deadline. Okay? And you get more for him then too. The Spurs have no reason to be involved in this because they'd be taking down so much money. And the only other thing in this too is, if this deal goes down, and if Kevin Durant stays, does he really want to play with Russell Westbrook? Or what happens there? I mean, I we we talked about this before we started recording. We saw pictures of them, and they were all playing like in this big, high-level, you know, pickup game, you know, whatever. And that's one thing. But that doesn't mean they want to play together on the same team. I mean, I don't know what the Nets would do. Would they buy him out? Would they say, well, he's, you know, Kevin's not here, so Russ will play? Or what if KD happens to be there? Would they play on the same team? Right. It's, it's wild. So this is crazy stuff. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And, and there's so much history there. As and, we I, know. And, but, and I'm not trying to say like, oh, it's Laker exceptionism. You know, that's why I'm so high and mighty. I mean, there, there's, there's so many signs and so many different things are pointing to this. It's just when... And what gets gets included? Okay. Well, I I just think the Nets are just we want nothing to do with Kyrie. We're going to be paying Kyrie's salary no matter what. Okay, we're stuck with that. So yeah, maybe we could swallow hard and take back Russ Westbrook. You know, and we'll make the money work so that way we're not paying out of pocket and at least we get a pick out of this. Maybe you know I I, I think what's going to end up is. First round pick and maybe like a second or something like that. But they'll be like, all right, if the money works, basically, well, at least we're getting a first round pick out of it and we're out of the Kyrie Irving business and we're getting something for him because none of the other teams in the NBA will give a squat for this dude. <laughs> so we'll at least take the pick. Sure. Sure. All right. I think we talked a lot of offseason. That that went pretty, pretty damn long. Uh, but let's... <laughs> Kind of get into, I know Brian's been away for a little while, so he's had to get a lot of this stuff off of his chest. I'm just Let's trying to make into, some sense of everything too, man. Yeah, I think we all are, and I still have no idea which way it goes. Yeah. But 2022-23 NBA Finals predictions. So I'm going to actually give you my final four first, Ooh. and then my champions. So my final four is going to look like this. It's going to be Milwaukee, and mm-hmm. it's going to be Boston. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then in the West, I'm going to go with the Clippers and the Nuggets. And then my championship, I believe it would be. I'm going to go with the Clippers over the Bucks. I came up with this topic right before we started. And don't, don't, nobody message me. This is completely off kilter, but I just have strong opinions towards those teams going into the season. I threw this idea at you two minutes before we started recording. And you basically taking my answers 
except for one thing. Because <laughs> really, quite honestly, it was in my final four as well. Wow. And but my was the Bucks over the Nuggets in the finals. Okay. I was gonna say I don't think people give give Denver enough credit, and they don't understand the the value of. Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. coming like, back. If we were just going to do straight up, who do you think is going to be in the finals and who would you pick right now? Mine was Milwaukee over Denver. I still think Milwaukee's the standard bearer, by the way. I think that losing Chris Middleton was really killer for them. Yes. Um, I think them getting a backup ball handler like Joe Ingles is huge. Um, you know, you keep the roster intact. Everybody forgets real quick. Real, real quick. Um, Boston... Love their offseason so far. Bringing in Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari lost basically nobody. Good for them. They're going to build upon that year. Like, I don't see how they don't get back to the East Finals. And then with the Clippers, the the answer's obvious, guys. The answer's obvious. Kawhi Leonard comes back. You have Paul George. You add John Wall as your, basically your sixth man. Still have Reggie Jackson. Still have Mook Morris. You know, you sign Robert Covington to that long deal. You know, I, I like their team. I like their team a lot. Still have Zubats, you know. Interested to see if Musa Diabate gets some playing time with them. they rookie. They got out of Michigan. We'll see. Maybe Jason Preston comes back. They have Norm Powell. It's a good team. So, there you go. Can't believe you basically stole my answers. That's crazy. How funny is that? I just came up with this, man. I thought it would just be like a a fun little five minute thing, and then we're on the same wavelength, basically. Ah, ha, ha, finally, about time you have to suffer a little bit there. All right, I think that's enough here for keeping it 94. We've talked a lot about our summer league standouts. We talked about DeAndre Ayton, KD, Kyrie, Russ Westbrook, crazy trades, realistic trades, and then, of course, we just finished up on our finals predictions for 2022 23 with the offseason incomplete yet. Because DeAndre Ayton hasn't been traded or signed. KD hasn't been traded. Kyrie hasn't been traded. There's a lot of guys still just kind of waiting. Um, but the majority of, of the summer is pretty much wrapped up. And uh, after the 18th, we're going to go into lull mode. We're going to go into, like I said, top 125 lists. We're going to debate who the greatest player of all time is. But you know what you're going to love? On BasketballNews.com, courtesy of Matt Issa, we're going to have a great series for you. Coming out, it's podcast, it's going to be article-based, it's really fun. The new series is going to be called Blazing the Trail, and it's NBA players who influenced a generation. It's a 10-part podcast, an article anthology series about 10 of the most revolutionary, revolutionary players from the 1990s and the 2000s. That series begins launching next week, so make sure you stay tuned to basketballnews.com. Hey, that's where our podcast network is. We're a part of it, keeping it 94. We've got other great ones for you to listen to. The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. The Rematch with Aton Thomas. And of course, Dishes and Dimes with the ladies. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave a comment. Rate. Review. Interact with us. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen. I'm on Twitter, at Spin Davies. He's on Twitter, at Brian Fritz. I'm on Instagram, at Spin Davies. He's on Instagram, at It's Brian Fritz. Until the next episode, we'll see when it is. But it's Keep It at 94 with your boys, Spencer Davies and Brian Fritz. Y'all take care and enjoy yourself this week. 